0: Good morning, how we doing? A couple of things uh, before I get started this morning. One is, um, as you probably know, it's the first Sunday of the month. We normally do communion uh, today, but apparently we misplaced a thousand communion cups. (laughs) So um, Amazon's a good thing. We'll have a couple thousand more here on Tuesday. So next week we will uh, partake of communion together. Uh, And then secondly, um, I... Hope that you get and open your Thursday uh, email because in that email, there's a new section um, called something around, you know, places here to serve or time to serve, whatever it's called. Uh, but there are uh, like six things in there on how you can get involved and you can serve uh, here at our church. And they are like real like needs, right? Like like not playing, not messing around. um, Those are real things that that you can get involved in. So I want to encourage you to um, open up that that Thursday email and and check that out. All right. uh, We are in our last message here in uh, our series on Nehemiah. Uh, The series has uh, uh, focused uh, on this project that Nehemiah took on in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. In case you haven't been here for a while, or, or maybe you're a guest here today, let me do a short recap uh, of where we're at. Generations before Nehemiah came on the scene, the city of Jerusalem had been attacked by the Babylonian army. Uh, people were enslaved, by, and the walls of the city were destroyed. Years later, there was a king that in Babylonia. Uh, a king came into power, and he began to allow uh, the Israelite slaves to return to uh, Jerusalem. So slowly the city was rebuilt, but the, the walls just remained kind of a mess, which left the city vulnerable to attack. So Nehemiah, uh, a slave h- himself who had access to the king, asked to be given this opportunity to oversee this project of restoring the walls uh, around the city, And so King says, go for it. That's good. Uh, Nehemiah makes the journey, right? Puts the plan together, recruits the people of Jerusalem to help him. Uh, and here we go. He faces some criticism and some opposition, had to confront some financial stuff that was going on. And uh, they do that, and so they keep moving forward on this thing. And so today we're in chapter 6. Go, go ahead and take your Bibles out. Turn to chapter 6. Of Nehemiah. Uh, The verses will be on uh, the screen as well. So we find ourselves in the most important part uh, of uh, the project, right? It's at the 90% mark. The work is almost finished, the end is in sight. And this is where sometimes we're just tempted. To let up a little bit, right? We're tempted to kind of take our foot off the gas pedal at this point. And usually it is the time when the enemy comes uh, at us and and one last ditch effort to knock us off the ball here. It's exactly what happened to Nehemiah, right? He and his team of servants had finished the wall with the exception of setting the doors and the gates. When the enemies from chapter 4, right, Sambalot, Tobiah, and and Geshem, uh, take another another stab at putting Nehemiah out of business. So Nehemiah gets uh, the job done in spite of them, right? He conquers these last temptations of, of being a leader. And as we have said, all of us are leaders in some shape or form. So these are things that happen in the last like 10% uh, of a project usually. And so today we're gonna look at these temptations and my prayer for us is that we can navigate them well and learn from Nehemiah of what to do. So three things, go ahead and take your uh, note sheets out and you can follow along with me. Temptations that throw you off track and and number one is letting others uh, uh, lure you off course. Right? So Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 say this. Now when Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem, uh, the Arab, and, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Balat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafiram uh, in the place of Onam. Uh, but they intended to do me harm, right? So here's what they're attempting to do right here. They're trying to lure Nehemiah into putting off this final phase to get this project done, and they wanted him to deal with this fabricated emergency. So when they invite him to come visit so they could, like, discuss their concerns, right? Nehemiah sees right through it. He responds in this way, verse 3. And I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? So, so what Nehemiah is demonstrating here is just a whole bunch of discernment. You know what discernment is? discernment is the ability to judge matters according to God's view of them not not according to their outward appearance, right? We are often, often, often deceived by outward appearances, right? First Samuel 16, 7, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? The heart, right? So many people confuse being discerning with being negative or cynical. But discernment is just able to see the good where others might miss it, the ability to see uh, bad, where others might see good according to the outward appearance. <coughs> so Nehemiah, he refuses to stop the work and go visit them, right? They tried over and over time and time again to get him off track. And each time Nehemiah, he, he's like, nope, not going to do it. He would not allow himself to get off track. And I got to thinking about that this past week. And and I'm at the place now, I think for me and for our church, just I like, I have this sense, this feeling like we need to get back on track. Like, I feel like we're through this whole COVID thing, right? Like, it threw a wrench in our focus. Like, I want to tell you, like, before all that, we were rolling as a church right ministry was happening new people coming to our church and bam COVID hits all kinds of we're out of sorts for the last couple of years whatever it's been i just think now it's time to get back on track so you're going to see some changes and don't freak out it's it's all fine right it's my big it'll be fine don't worry about it right all in an effort to what get back on track We're trying to not lose the vision that God has given us, right? Great commission, great commandment, right? That's the focus. You know, kids are great at getting their parents off track. Have you noticed that? Right? They beg long enough. They whine long enough. They pout. They hold their breath. They do whatever it is that they do, right? And their parents eventually... Let them have their way. Effective parents learn early the Nehemiah principle, and they teach that to their kids, that what? No means what? No. Satan does the same thing to us. Right? He comes at us again and again. He puts people in your path to plead, demand, threaten, in an attempt to wear you down and to make you give in. He comes at you with the same problems, with the same situations, the same temptations as if eventually you're going to get tired of resisting. And he needs to learn that any attempt to sidetrack you from what God has called you to do, walking with him, it's just not going to happen. You won't give in. You won't back down. You won't get off course. Satan needs to know that when you say no, it means what? No. And as leaders, we deal with this temptation. People come under the guise of, Friendliness. People try to stir things up, right? Trying to get us away from finishing the job that God has called us to do. Great commission, great commandment. So what we need to do is we need to stay focused. Not let ourselves be sidetracked. Stay on course. Our response needs to be like Nehemiah here in verse 3. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Remember the wall that you're trying to build and never lose sight of it. I think churches struggle with this, especially during like election season. We're coming up on midterm elections, right? I've said this for 20 years now. As a church, it's not our job to, to worry about all of that kind of stuff, right? I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, who not to. You know the Bible, vote. It's our job as a church to what? Reach the lost. To, to disciple believers, to give opportunities for Christians to serve in the body of Christ, have fellowship with one another, right, to gather together to worship the creator of the universe. Effective leaders don't let sand set their agenda. Good leadership says stay focused on the wall that you're trying to build, especially when the end is outside. All right, here's the second temptations that leaders face. Number two, trying to prove yourself with words rather than results so when nehemiah refused to go down to ono to meet Sambalat and all his buddies they turn up the heat right they come back with these false accusations right verses four and five and they sent to me four times in this way and i answer them in the same manner and in the same way sam for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand it's like how many times i have to tell you no and, oh, by the way, let me tell you about the whole open letter thing. That was done on purpose because what that meant was is that anyone could read it, right? Everybody could talk about it. And so Sam Ballard's pulling the same stunt he pulled in chapter 4. He's just trying to stir things up, right? He's trying to cause all kinds of trouble. He goes on to say this in Nehemiah, verses 6 and 7 in uh, it was written it was reported among the nations and Geshem also says it that you and the Jews intend to rebel that is why you're bu- you're building the wall and, and according to these reports you wish to become their king and you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem and there's a king in Judah and now the king will hear of these reports so now come and let us take counsel together. Right? Did you catch that? So, so basically he's saying, word on the street, you're trying to overthrow the government. You're setting yourself up to be the ruler uh, of Jerusalem. So we're going to tell the king what you're up to, so you better stop doing your stuff on the wall, and you better come down and talk to us. Now, let me say this about vague accusations, right? Did you catch it? It, It's reported among the nations, right? What he is trying to do is he's trying to make it sound like everybody's talking about this or a number of people are saying, right? People say that all the time, right? They go like, everyone said this, or the infamous they, right? They out there want you to do whatever. I hear it constantly. What Sam Ballot accused Nehemiah of doing was flat out false. So if a thousand nations reported it, it, would not make it true, right? A popular lie may be more dangerous, but it's no more truer just because it's popular. That's what Sam Ballot's trying to do. This open letter was designed to get everybody talking about it. It was an attempt to get people all worked up and all in a panic over what Nehemiah was trying to accomplish. And, you know, if you're Nehemiah, that can kind of get you riled up, right? He he had worked hard, and he had trusted God greatly so that the work would be done with the blessing of the king. And he embraced with great personal sacrifice to demonstrate that's exactly what he wasn't trying to do. And Nehemiah would never dream uh, of going to, like, rent-a-profit kind of thing And now he's accused of the very things that he worked so hard not to do. And so when it comes to the devil, right, we may as well accept it. The devil knows our hot buttons. He knows those lies, those accusations, which really get to you. And and he knows how to throw them in your face. And I don't think we can stop it, but we do need to learn how to deal with it. Sam Ballot makes this plain threat, Nehemiah wouldn't be deceived into coming to the, to, to the meeting, right? He's got way too much discernment for that. And so now he just flat out slanders Nehemiah. So Nehemiah could have taken time to make his case, right? He, he could have taken time to prove that Sam Ballot and, and all the rumors were not true, right? He could have argued his point. He could have, you, know, mounted the PR campaign to clear his name. But but what did he do instead? L- look at verse 8. He's basically saying, you're making this stuff up. Look at verse 8. And then I sent to him saying, no such things as you say have been done. For you are in- inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us thinking that their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands no, I got to tell you, it's, it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit scary to have people talking about you and all that kind of stuff, right? It's hard when that happens to stay focused on the job at hand, when you know people are trying to sabotage what, what you're doing. You, you want to respond to it. You want to defend yourself. You know what the best defense is? The best response is just a finished wall, Right? You, 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 the best answer to rumors and accusations is to finish the work that God has called you to do because critics love to talk about what might happen, right? They like to get people all jacked up about that, right? The sad reality is that people fall for it all the time. They always want to go, well, this might happen. Remember Y2K? Anybody old enough for that? <laughs> right, the earth was coming to an end. Planes are falling out of the sky. Bank accounts are, are going to be emptied. Right? Power grid's going off. Whole world is coming to an end. Back when we had Christian bookstores, we don't have those anymore, but, but back we had one on France. They were selling books like crazy over Y2K. People making bank over this. What happened? Absolutely nothing. all because of what might happen. But I think that's what the alarmists like to do, like, like Samba, right? Anything to get God's people sidetracked. Anything to prevent the wall from being built. We just need to say laser focus on the job at hand. Great commission, great commandment. We're not here to win debates. We're here to share the gospel of Christ to those that are lost right we're here to do a job to see it through and you prove it with the results not words all right the last temptation this morning is taking the easy way up verse 10 now when i went into the house of shemiah the son of deli son of meth uh, tabel wow who was confined to this? You know, I said him a whole lot better when I practiced <laughs> than I did just then. Anyway, he was confined to his home. He said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. He, here's what's going on here. He, he's like saying, Hey, this is where you throw in the towel, right? Here's where you bolt and, like, nobody blames you. Like, people want to kill Nehemiah. Can't blame the guy for for wanting to stay alive. Nehemiah could have said, he didn't, but he could have said, look, we didn't quite get the job done. It was close, but I had to, like, run for my life. Sorry, right? If there wasn't for the death threats, we would have finished the wall. And I just think at some point, every leader deals with it. They're faced with an opportunity to quit, right? A chance to fail without losing face, right? an excuse for giving up. Well, like when I was going through this about, the only thing I could think of was how we as a church with our building project could have done that, right? December 2017. When I found out about our unfortunate financial position, not going to go into the details this morning. If you want to know about it, I'll tell you. But it was at that point that my, myself, the staff, the elder board, you as a church made a decision when it came to our building the project. You know what your decision was? Your decision was, do we give up? Do we move forward? And with a whole bunch of prayer, and God leading us, you all decided to move forward. You decided not to give up. And as a result, we're sitting in the building because of that decision. We could have given up. Like, nobody would have said anything negative about that, right? We could have bowed out with dignity. Like, I remember having the thought, let's just bag it, man. Let's just bag it. Every leader encounters the desire at some point because guess what? Leadership is not easy, right? No matter who you're leading and where you're leading, whether it's at home, at work, at church, wherever it is, just not easy. And we could have cut our losses and we could have run and nobody would have blamed us except for, you know what? We'd always have to live with the knowledge that the job didn't get done. That the project didn't get completed ministry didn't get launched right whatever it is lives didn't get changed because why we took the easy way out I'm so thankful we didn't do that amen what did Nehemiah say to the opportunity verse 11 but I said should such a man as I run away and what man such as I could go into the temple and live I will not go in he says so so this guy Shemiah he, he was a sh- kind of a shady guy right he, he was said to be a prophet he was like this self-proclaimed prophet he's not a prophet and so Shemiah offers Nehemiah the safe haven in the temple and the idea was this the idea was Nehemiah was said to be threatened like people were out to kill him that he could find refuge in the temple Right? Sounds good. Sounds great. Just go to the temple. You'll be fine. You might even be able to throw a scripture at it. Psalm 61.4 says, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Right? Sounds good. Remember we said Nehemiah had some discernment? This is where he needed it more than ever. Nehemiah knowing the heart of God as it's revealed in the whole counsel of God and because he looked at the whole counsel of God he had discernment and what Shemaiah tried to do was to create fear in Nehemiah and he tried to get him to disobey God based on that fear because the deal was only priests were allowed in the temple and guess what Nehemiah not a priest so he would have been disobeying God if he had done what Shemaiah had suggested. We read in 2 Chronicles 26, King Uzziah, who was not a priest, went into the temple. God instantly struck him with leprosy. Disobeying God, right? Not good. Nehemiah stands tough. He's like, I'm not going to do that. He could have easily said, let somebody else have the headache, right? I'm going to hide out in the temple. But rather than doing that, Nehemiah was ready to die for the wall or what the wall represented right it represented God's call on his life and he wasn't willing to quit he he was gonna get that wall built no matter what wasn't willing to take the easy way out so leaders I'm speaking to all of us now we are leading someone somewhere there is a point in time that you can slip out the back door unnoticed Right? and let me tell you this it will look appealing here's my challenge for you today we all need to decide now when that time comes that we're not going to take the easy way out decide now in whatever area of leadership you are in that you're going to see it through to completion until you've done all that God's called you to do because remember the enemy will send in your direction anything he can to cause you to quit or change direction Effective leaders stay focused on the task, especially when the end is inside. So how did this part of Nehemiah's story end? Well, check out verses 15 and 16. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Eliul in 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly uh, in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. The amount of time that it took to finish the job was remarkably short. Right? The walls were in ruins for more than 100 years and were constructed and finished in a period of 52 days. Why wasn't the job done for 100 years? It wasn't because nobody didn't see the problem, it wasn't because the walls weren't wanted. I mean, they all saw the walls were in rubble. They, they knew how it ruined the lives of people of Jerusalem, but nobody got past of just wishing that the walls were, were, were there, were up. It's like I, I could just see them walking around, wish we had some walls. It right? would be great if we had some walls. Right? The enemy probably wouldn't attack if we had some walls. And yet nobody steps up. Finally, Nehemiah comes on the scene. And he grieved and he ached and he prayed and he planned and he asked boldly and he went and he fought and he encouraged and he just stood strong and he saw the job through to completion. And in addition to that, he had a lot of people around him with the same kind of vision that he had. And I just think sometimes we have small ideas of what God can do through us. God can use both personally and corporately, he can use you. He used a man named Nehemiah to set right a 100-year-old problem in less than two months. Guess what? It is the same God who sits on the throne in heaven and works through you and me and our church and the body of Christ universal. The question is, is, are we willing today to put our trust completely in God? in the job that he's called us to do. And maybe you're here today and you've never put your trust in the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you haven't put your trust in Jesus. You might know the facts, right? Jesus died on the cross, blah, blah, blah. You might know the facts about him, but you have never repented of your sin. You have not turned away from your sin and ran into the arms of the one who died on the cross to save you from that sin. If that's your story today, if that's you, I'm going to encourage you as scripture says to confess with our mouth, to believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. Bible clearly says and you will be saved. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word today God I pray there is anybody here in this building today and they need to get right with you that in the quietness of this moment they would do that and then God I pray for those that are Christians that are here today the those that know you personally But maybe there's some area in their life where they just need to put their complete trust in you. That they just need to trust you to take care of it. Whatever that is, I just pray that you'll fulfill the call of Jesus on their life. God, thank you for Nehemiah. Thank you for his resolve to complete the task that you gave him. God, my prayer this morning is that we, too, here at NCF, a new creation fellowship, that we would have that same resolve. God, thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name I pray.